Well, let me have a prayer for us before we launch in this morning. Father God, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the family of God that we can come together and uh, just encourage one another, Lord. And uh, I pray that you would help all of us understand better today how much we and those that we know need you. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. And you can take the study guide out of your worship folder if you uh, would like, and you can follow along with me. You know, there's a thought that comes to my mind quite often as I go throughout my days. The thought was actually the title of a song that was popular in Christian circles many years ago. In fact, it was a song that Pastor Brian used to sing as a, a special music number in our church's very early days. And if I close my eyes, I can still envision him in that gray pinstripe suit, belting out this song. I thought about asking him to, you know, pull that thing out of his closet, dust it off, and sing it for us this morning. Then I thought better of it. But we all had gray pinstripe suits back in the day. But anyway, the song was titled, People Need the Lord. And the lyrics went like this. Every day they pass me by, I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care headed who knows where, on they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries, only Jesus hears. We are called to take his light to a world where wrong seems right. What would be too great a cost for sharing life with one who's lost? Through his love, our hearts can feel all the grief they bear. They must hear the words of life only we can share. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, he's the open door. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When will we realize that we must give our lives for people need the Lord? Anybody remember that song? Well, that thought pops into my mind often as I go through my days. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When I meet people who seem to have very little direction for their lives, I think, man, people do need the Lord. When I hear yet another news story which highlights... Yet another instance in our country of violent crime motivated by hatred or racism. I think, man, people need the Lord. When I see hopeless expressions on the faces of people who've lost everything in yet another natural disaster, I think, wow, those devastated people need a lot of things right now, Lord, but most of all, they need you. People need the Lord. When a local elementary school principal tears up with a group of us pastors in town telling us about five kids in his school who last year saw their parents OD on heroin, leaving them without dad or mom in the home. I think people need the Lord. They really do. But you know, when you think about it, it's not just people who find themselves in desperate situations who need the Lord. It's not just the confused and the angry and the addicted who need God. It's not just the victims of violence or sex trafficking or caught in the cycle of poverty who need God. It's not just the helpless and downtrodden and desperate who need the Lord. It may seem that way at first glance, but when you consider things through a biblical worldview, the scope of this need for God is much wider and much broader than that. Mark Zuckerberg needs the Lord too. And Odell Beckham, and Hillary Clinton, and Drake, and Lady Gaga, and President Trump. Perhaps their outward plight doesn't seem 
as desperate as the victims of an earthquake. In fact, looks like these guys have it made, right? But the rich and the famous and the powerful and the celebrities and the A-listers and the star athletes of this world also need the Lord, according to the Bible. I mean, really, here's the truth of God's word. Everyone needs Jesus. Every single person walking the planet, everybody needs the Lord, whether they're aware of it or not. And they may not be. The checkout clerk at Kroger's or Giant Eagle, where I seem to end up every night. (laughs) The gal in the cubicle across from you at the office, your son's coach, your daughter's friend, your biker buddies, your Zumba class girls, your next door neighbor, the guy who seems to have it all together, who, who, who when you ask how he's doing, he always says, living the dream. That guy too. The sharp gal who earns a lot of money and has a lot of friends, that high school kid that you see roaming around your neighborhood all the time, everybody needs the Lord. Regardless of their age or marital status or net worth, regardless of their socioeconomic status, their race, their gender, their personality, or their past, the Bible is crystal clear whether they live out in the affluent suburbs or in a struggling part of town, every single person has at least this in common. They need Jesus in their life. Again, whether they realize that or not. And there are many, many reasons that I could talk about today of why everyone needs the Lord, but I want to mention three that I'm urging you today to think about, especially in light of the fact that we have this friend day approaching, and I hope you're thinking about your friends, your circle of people in your life. You're hopefully praying about which of them you could invite. So let me share with you three reasons why people need the Lord. Number one, people need the Lord because without Him, they're going to have to face the many challenges of life apart from God. And you know, life, can throw a lot of different things at us, can it? I've watched people go through some horrible things, some awful things. The loss of a child, the death of a spouse, uh, a shocking diagnosis that just kind of came out of nowhere and blindsided them. A divorce, uh, an unexpected termination of employment, as happened to a friend of mine this week. A betrayal by a close friend. A house burning down and and losing everything, financial crisis. And whenever somebody I know goes through a a disaster like that, I always find myself praying, thank you, Lord, that my friend knows you. How do people get through stuff like that without having God in their lives? And more recently, I found myself also thinking, and how do people without a church family hold up under stress like that and, and make it through those kinds of situations? You know, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. People who don't have the Lord in their lives don't have His joy. And people who aren't in community with believers, with joy-filled believers, don't have that encouragement of having brothers and sisters come alongside them and to support them in their time of need. As a 
result, they're missing out on the strength that God can supply to help them endure the hard things of life. You know, I got to thinking about it. God gives many gifts to humanity, doesn't he? Just because he is God and because he is good and because it's in his nature to be generous. And I think of the fact that we all have plenty of air to breathe. Everybody get enough air yesterday? (laughs) Food to eat, this beautiful planet to live on. Matthew 5.45 says, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And theologians refer to that as God's common grace. Grace that he lavishes on all of his creatures. But you know, there are other gifts that God reserves for those who truly know him. Amen? Those who know the Lord, his children, his kids, like his peace. The peace of God. How many of you have ever experienced the peace of God when you've gone through turbulent times? Anybody? It's a wonderful gift from the Lord for those who know him. His sustaining strength, his guidance, his voice directing us in those moments when you hear the Spirit of God whispering to your heart, this is the way, walk in it. His encouragement, the comfort of his presence and and of his family and his spirit living within us. Wonderful gifts. But you know, those who don't know Christ, who don't have Jesus in their lives, who never bowed their knee to King Jesus are missing out on those gifts. They're left to face the difficult challenges of life without God, without his special gifts, without his presence. People need the Lord. Life comes with other kinds of challenges, too. How about the challenge of discovering your purpose in this world? Or how about the the universal quest that all humans have to, to, to live a life that has meaning and has significance, that matters? People who don't know the Lord can certainly latch on to some things that appear to offer purpose and meaning. You know, be successful in business, have a family, have lots of friends, become well-known, maybe even improving the lives of other people. But in the end, ignoring the God who designed all of this in the first place is bound to leave a person wondering, is the ladder that I'm climbing leaning against the right wall? What's the point of it all anyway? Is it just about grabbing all the happiness I can in life or or making the best contribution I can in this world and then it all comes to a screeching halt and I die? What's the point of that? And that brings me to a second reason that people need the Lord and that's because number two, without God, they'll have to face not only the challenges of life apart from God, but also the sobering reality of death. Ah, yes, death, the great equalizer. We know that a person can live what appears to be a happy and full life apart from God in this world and have lots of great experiences and make lots of friends and build businesses and make a fortune and have a family and end up getting to see their children's children and maybe even complete every item on their bucket list. But then comes this inevitable reality that they just cannot avoid no matter how hard they try. Yesterday morning, I conducted a funeral service. It was for one of our members here. And uh, it took place actually at, at the gravesite over at Forest Lawn. 
And I, I took a moment and looked around the cemetery there, and I saw hundreds, maybe thousands of, of gravestones, each one of them representing a human being who lived on this earth for a period of time. And I took note of some of the dates on those headstones. There was one for a three-year-old little girl. Three years. There was one for a 21-year-old young man who apparently had been killed in Vietnam. Another one was for a 51-year-old guy. It kind of strikes close to home. One I saw was for a lady who was born in 1921 and died just last year, nearly 100 years old. And once again, this reality was brought home to me. Everybody dies. Death plays no favorites. Some die at a, a young age, some far, far too young. Others at a ripe old age. Sometimes it's sudden and unexpected. Others experience kind of this long, slow decline. But you know what? The human mortality rate still hovers right around 100%. All of us have an appointment with death. You know, facing the challenges of life apart from knowing God is one thing, but looking death in the eye without having any conne connection to your creator, that's quite another thing altogether, wouldn't you agree? Last week, last couple weeks actually in the evenings, I watched quite a bit of the uh, series on PBS on Vietnam by Ken Burns. Anybody else catch any of that? Fascinating and brutal. So much death and carnage in that war. But in one of the segments, they interviewed a guy who had served in Vietnam, and in his interview, he said something very interesting caught my attention. He said, you know, I really wasn't a religious guy. Even when I got drafted and then got sent over to Vietnam, I didn't care much about that stuff, that religious stuff. I would say that I was an atheist until the bullets started flying around my head and then I heard myself crying out, God help me, God save me. You know, impending death has a way of converting atheists into believers in a moment. I shudder to think about going to war as a soldier and not knowing Jesus, facing the prospect of being killed, of losing my life and, and not knowing God. The truth is that all people will see their life come to an end one day, whether in war or from disease or being in an accident or your body just eventually shutting down. People need to know something. They need to know that Jesus Christ came, lived, died, and rose again so that he could deliver them from their fear of death. This is part of the good news of the gospel. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 2 says it like this, Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their, what? Fear of death. Your friends and my friends need the Lord because apart from Him, they're going to have to face death one day without any sense of hope or well-founded confidence. Fear might overwhelm them. Uncertainty about what awaits them may grip their hearts. They need the Lord 
they need the Lord if they're going to have the kind of outlook that one man had who lay in his hospital bed dying, and I visited him as he was nearing the end. And he pulled me close, and he said, he said this. He said, Steve, don't worry about me. I'm at peace with this. If the Lord says it's my time, then, then I'm ready to go because I know where I'm headed. And that leads me to a third and final reason that people need the Lord. Number three, people need the Lord because without him, they'll have to face the prospect of eternity apart from God. Eternity apart from God. And now I know that, that some of our friends say they don't believe in eternity, right? You ever talk to someone and said, I don't believe in heaven and hell, that stuff, nonsense. They, they say that when life is over, it's, it's over. There's nothing beyond the grave. But I believe what the scripture says about this. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. I believe that, do you? God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. So when I talk with people, even if they say they don't believe in eternity, I just talk with them as if they do. <laughs> because I believe God has put it in their heart to know that it's true, even if they would like to think otherwise. And if the Bible is true, and if there really is, as it says, an existence for every single person that extends beyond this life and beyond the grave, then the natural question to ask is, well, what next? Then what? And scripture is very clear. Hebrews 9.27, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that... After you die comes what? Judgment. Not a popular concept in our day. If the Bible is to be believed, then all of our friends, all of our family members, all of our loved ones, all of our co-workers or neighbors, not to mention all of us, will one day after our death stand before our creator God and be judged. And here's what will happen. Revelation 20 beginning in verse 12, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. So you've heard of the walking dead. Here's the standing dead. Great and small, that means famous and powerful and unknown and obscure. The whole spectrum of humanity standing before God's throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. So what people do is being recorded. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. So those terms represent these temporary holding spaces for the spirits of the departed. And they were judged, one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. So some people are going to die twice, physically and then spiritually. And verse 15, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Oh my. Oh my. 
And when Jesus walked this earth, he added this postscript in Matthew 25, 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Listen, if, if people are ever going to have a righteous status before God, a righteous standing before God, if they're ever going to have their name written in that book of life, if they're going to avoid spending eternity in the lake of fire, then they need the Lord. People need the Lord. Pastor Steve, why are we having a friend day? So that your friends and mine, if they'll accept our invitation, will have the opportunity to come and be around people here who know the Lord and also be able to hear a message that if they truly believe it, will alter their eternal destiny forever. As Paul wrote, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. All this to say, people really do need the Lord. Without the Lord Jesus in their lives, they'll miss out on all the wonderful blessings that God gives us in this life. Without the Lord in their life, they'll have to face death without his comfort. And without the Lord, they'll miss out on spending a joyful eternity with God and his family forever in a brand new heaven and new earth, totally recreated and renovated for us. They'll spend forever grieving the fact that during this life they rejected God's gift of his son. So this is really, really, really important. People really do need the Lord. You see, this is why, as Pastor Brian said, we send new lifers to needy places to love on people and to share the good news. This is why we start new campuses in neighboring communities. Because people need the Lord. This is why right here in our own town, we try to love on the people who are moving in close to the church here by just delivering some cookies to them as a way of loving our neighbors and saying, hey, we're here. If you should ever feel the need for a church family, we're right, right around the corner here. We'd love to have you come and check us out. This is why we host events here on our property that give people who don't know God the opportunity to rub shoulders with people who do. This is why we partner with Grin and Victory Mission to meet the practical needs of our neighbors in hopes of giving them an experience of God's love for them. It's why we do kids camp, and it's why we plan events like Friend Day. Because people, all people, really do need the Lord. And amazingly, God still uses people to reach people, amen? Not flashy, awesome people, just ordinary, regular people. God uses people to reach people. People. So let's get really practical for the next few moments. Let's talk about using Friend Day to help people who need the Lord perhaps find Him, which would be a wonderful thing. And I want to give you just three things to think about. Number one is pray for your friends. This is where it starts, really. Pray for your friends. And we're going to do that in just a few minutes here this morning. This past week, our leadership team prayed by name for every single person that all of you submitted last week. Let us know you were, God had laid somebody on your heart and you wanted us to pray for them. By name, we prayed for them. And we know this, right? If there's going to be any spiritual movement at all in people's hearts, it's got to be God that does it. We can't argue people into the kingdom of God. Have you ever tried that? 
I mean, we can attempt to persuade them, sure, but God's got to work. God's got to work in their hearts. So we need to pray. And then step out and invite your friend, that one that God's laid on your heart. Invite them to Friend Day at New Life. One prayer that you can pray is that God, through his Holy Spirit, would open up a door of conversation that you could, you could ask them, you could invite them to attend celebration with you next Sunday. And to help you with that, in your worship folder again, there's a little invitation card. It says, Skeptics Welcome, an honest look at your questions. And we wanted you to have these so that you can use it to invite your friend. You could, you could hand it to them, let's say on uh, Tuesday or on Thursday. And you could say something like this to them. Hey, this Sunday at my church, our pastor is tackling some questions that people sometimes have about God and Christians and church and such. And I'd love for you to come with me and hear it. He's even calling it Skeptics Welcome. So he wants even people who have lots of doubts to come. When you hand him this card, you can say, you can also text in your own question. If you've had something that's been bothering you about life or God or Christians or church. There's a little text number there and you can text in your own question. You could say this, our church is pretty laid back. You don't have to dress up if you don't want to. Most people come pretty casual and as I look around this morning, I say, yeah, that's true, isn't it? <laughs> you don't have to wear a gray pinstripe suit or whatever if you don't want to. But I'd love it if you'd Come and check it out with me. Will you think about it? That's what you can ask them. Will you think about it? You don't have to press them for a commitment right in the moment. Just say, hey, would you think about it? I'd love to have you come with me. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, there are some people who would come if they were just invited. Studies have shown this. Some people, not everyone, but some people are just waiting for someone to invite them. And if someone did, they would come. And so let's pray that God opens up a door to invite them and that many of our friends will take us up on it. And then here's a third very practical thing, I know, but sometimes we need to get practical. Help guests feel welcome on Friend Day, and I would add in every Sunday. And here are five ways to do that. Number one, allow guests to use the guest parking spaces. Just a thought there. Right out here in front of our main doors, there's some handicapped spaces, and there's some spaces marked guests. Let the guests use those. I'll park out on the back 40, and you can do that too, okay? Second, if you have small children, make use of our excellent Kids Life nursery and preschool programs and encourage your friend to utilize them too. That'll help us have an undistracted time in here and their kids will hear about Jesus at an age-appropriate level. Encourage them to utilize those. Third, make every effort when we come together to avoid creating distractions during the message. Like what? Cell phones going off, those kinds of things. Noisy little children whom we love. But we want people to have an undistracted opportunity to hear God's word. Number four, give the three gifts that every new lifer can offer a guest, a look, a word, and a smile. Everybody can do that. Cost you nothing. It's just, it's just caring, right? Just being courteous and caring. And number five, practice the five-minute rule. You say, what's that? That's use the first five minutes after the celebration, once, it's en once it ends, to meet new people. 
because you only have that small window before they scoot out of here, right? Meet new people first, then you can talk to your friends later. Because if they're your friends, they'll be willing to do that, right? So very practical stuff and very important. What I've found is this. When I've invited someone to come and they come, I'm really hoping and praying that all those things happen (laughs) for my friend. And I know you do as well. I want them to feel the love of Jesus from the people of God. So here's what I'd like for us to do. I want us to take the next few minutes and together make it a powerful prayer time for our friends. I'm wondering how many of you, God, uh, God has laid somebody on your heart to, to pray for and perhaps invite. Could I see your hands? God has laid somebody on your heart. Okay. On the back of your outline, I put some biblical prayers that we can all pray for our friends who need the Lord in their lives. I know it's in like four-point type. Um, some of you might have to get the reading glasses out. So like that first one, pray that God would begin to draw them to himself. So when I pray for my friends, I start praying that way. God, God in heaven, please begin to draw Bill to yourself because you said no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him that's what jesus said and i begin to pray through this list i use these when i pray for my friends and family members who don't know christ it's praying scripture right back to the lord right you can remind god you wrote this (laughs) you wrote it I'm, i'm just praying back to you what you gave us in your word to pray for people who need you And so the worship team is going to come back up, and uh, you can take a few moments and read down through these biblical prayer requests, and then bring your sheet with you. You can just bring it up with you, but then let's come, and let's just fill this place around the platform here, here and over here. You can kneel, you can stand, and lift up our friends and loved ones to God in prayer. Our prayer partners, they're just going to kind of come and join in with the rest of us. Let's turn these next few moments, we have plenty of time, into a time of serious prayer, okay? Lord, thank you for going to extreme measures, Jesus, to make life and hope and eternal life available to people. This week I felt more keenly than normal how much people need you. And Lord, I need you. For your direction in this, for the courage in the moment to invite my friend, I need you too. Spirit of God, I pray that you would direct our prayers these next few minutes, that you would pray through us for our our lost friends who don't know you yet, who need you. Put on our hearts the prayers and the people, people in whom you're already working, and the prayers that you already want to answer. So we offer these next few moments to you, Lord. Guide us, I pray in Jesus' name.